For player profiles, in-depth features, and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world. Hello and welcome to the Scouted Football Podcast. Uh, happy AFCON uh, to all those who celebrate, including today's guest, uh, African football expert and, and Guardian Sport Deputy Editor Ed Ahrens. Um, Ed is the author of Made in Africa, which is a chronicled and extensive history of African players in English football. Um, it's a great read on confronting racism, challenging stereotypes and plotting the pathway for some of the most identifiable Premier League protagonists uh, to do their thing nowadays. Um, I suppose... Ed, how, how are things? How have you been finding AFCON 2021? Hi, how are you? Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, it's been amazing so far. Really, uh, really enjoyed it. I think it was a bit of a slow start, um, but no lack of drama nonetheless. And, you know, the second round of matches has been really exciting. You know, some great storylines with Algeria losing their un- unbeaten record uh, in, in the latest round of, of, of matches. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a really good tournament, I think. It's, and it's only really just getting started. Yeah, it is. It's it's just warming up, really, isn't it? And and you say that. I mean, we were talking just before we we started recording. You know, the the last twenty minutes of games have been pretty much where all the action has been, um, and it, it's been it's been a great great tournament for for that sort of thing. You know, all the all the drama, but um, also lots of tournament firsts, um, lots of you know lots of really good football as well, and 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 I suppose plenty for us to sink our teeth into um, with regards to the group stage so far uh, for this uh, for this episode. Um, Obviously, you've got the the refereeing incident between Mali and Tunisia, which saw Yanni Sakazwe blow for time twice before the 90th minute. Um, rightly or wrongly, will be you know a, a notable moment uh, from this year's edition. But focusing squarely on the football, which is you know it's ultimately why we watch it for for the spectacle. You know we've had hosts Cameroon performing really well, um, Guinea and Senegal grinding their way to the knockouts, uh, Nigeria looking on good form, um, a mammoth goalkeeping performance in Sierra Leone's opening two games uh, from their goalkeeper Kamara uh, against firstly Algeria uh, and then Cote d'Ivoire following up the, the Algeria performance when I think he made around six or seven saves with with a penalty stop in the second game. Um, you know, first win at the finals for Gambia, first appearance for Comoros, you know, Mauritania are there. There's been, there's been loads going on. Um, you know, it's been, it's been a tournament for the ages and I think... Uh, I, I was quite disappointed in myself that that we didn't do a, a preview episode, but I, I don't think I would have been able to do it justice. The first few rounds of matches have been have been a real education. Yeah, and there's been a lot. Yeah, I think it's, it shows the, the the general strength of African football that you had mm. the you know the, the match that I mentioned uh, first of all, Equatorial Guinea, who are who are no mugs by by any means. You know that they that they've been around in previous Afcons and have you know got to the semi-finals when they when they hosted it or when Gabon hosted it, I believe. Um, but they, they to, for them to beat Algeria, um, you know, and to end that long unbeaten run is is real testament to the strength of some of the smaller smaller countries in Africa. You know, it's it's not got a population of less than two million. I think uh, Equatorial Guinea, and uh, for them to pull that off, you know, they had to ride their luck at times, but um, that they they really deserved it with, with the way that they continued to sort of try and attack, even though you know. They were holding on at times uh, to keep that clean sheet, but yeah, and there's a, like you say, I think Sierra Leone uh, for me have been the team of the tournament so far with those two mm. draws uh, as well in that group. So that group is is set up to be fantastic finale. I mean, you've got Algeria against Ivory Coast, two of the two of the heavyweights, 
slugging it out and it looks like well perhaps well they they could still both go through but Algeria certainly will need to win that to get through so it's going to be a really great game yeah group E um, obviously what you're referring to there uh, Algeria currently bottom of that group with one point no goals scored uh, Sierra Leone in third with two points Equatorial Guinea with uh, three points in second and Ivory Coast uh, currently first with four so all very much hanging in the balance as Ivory Coast and Algeria have to play each other and Equatorial Guinea and Sierra Leone uh, in their final group match. But you know, it'll come as no surprise to, to anybody that we're here to talk about some of the young players at this year's tournament as, as well as the, the competition in general. Um, I think I counted one 16-year-old and two 17-year-olds in, in the squad lists. Um, can't claim to know too much about any of them, um, but I'd certainly be, be fascinated to find out more. Uh, understandably, they haven't had you know a huge role on, on proceedings so far, um, but it's it's notable in itself that they are there. Uh, we'll get onto those in in a little while. But in terms of in terms of t- tournament highlights, Ed, you know what have been some of your 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 favourite moments so far? Well, definitely um, Sierra, Sierra, as I said, Sierra Leone. Um, you know, managing to get two draws so far. Mm. Um, I think if we go if we go through the groups, uh, group group by group, uh, then obviously Cameroon have been absolutely spectacular, and I think they're going to be really tough to beat at home. It's there, it's a long time since they lost a game, um, you know, of significance at home, and there, there's a sort of general feeling I think that they are going to be really tough to stop. You know, the country is getting behind them. I think the uh, there was something that the uh, the president's given um, given them all you know, time off in like, university lectures and school mm. lessons are going to finish before the, the next game. Um, and, and I'm sure that's going to be the same as the as the tournament progresses. So they, they're going to be really tough to stop. I think, you know, the way things have moved on since the start of the tournament, maybe you could say they're the favourites now. Um, you know, really impressive. Them or perhaps Nigeria, obviously, have been very impressive as well. Um, some some really, really great performances. I, I was very pleased to see um, Joe Aribo doing so well for Nigeria amongst all those sort of superstars. Somebody who's come up through a different route um, in the English, you know, non-league system, um, and and you know, alongside people like Chukwesi, who is coming coming back to his best at Villa, uh, Villarreal, having been injured, and and obviously Ian Acho, who's been been great so far. Um, so yeah, I think those two look like the the two to stop. But then, you know, Senegal have been a bit disappointing, uh, to say the least. You know, only managing to beat Zimbabwe um, with a, you know, 97th minute penalty from Sadio Mane. And it was a, a heroic performance from Zimbabwe up until then, but they kind of threw it away after that. So, and then Senegal obviously struggled against Guinea. And I think a lot of people might be writing them off a little bit at this stage. But, you know, it's a long tournament and... Um, you know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that there's uh, there's anything to worry about too much for them. Um, and then also, I think one of the surprises actually have been Gabon, haven't they? Because mm-hmm. you know, had so many problems in the build-ups to the tournament. Aubameyang hasn't been playing, but still managed to to sort out qualification already. Um, and with Morocco from Group C, and Ghana looking extremely precarious uh, as it stands, but you know, could, could still scramble through. And uh, yeah, it's it's good to see. I think some of the big names coming to the fore. I know Salah had a bit of a quiet game, but you know, got his got his goal and the win in the next game for for Egypt. And I think that is important for um, for, for the tournament that some of the big players you know do come to the party as well because it's been a great mixture, hasn't it, of you know yeah. locally based players and and the big stars performing. So it's, it's exactly what you what you want. It's 
it's great for the local leagues. Like for instance, the Sierra Leone team we were talking about before uh, beforehand. Uh, you know, there's quite a few players there from the local league who are really been absolutely outstanding, and you know that's that's great for for football in on the continent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned that Sierra Leone team uh, and, you know, obviously you've got Mohamed Salah, who's obviously the most, probably the household name of this this tournament, um, you know, arguably the best player in the Premier League at, at the moment. Uh, and then you have the potential that further down the line, you know, he may end up coming up against Mohamed Kamara, uh, who's in the goal for, for Sierra Leone, who plays for East End Lions in, in the domestic league. And, you know, he's actually, he's he's in our uh, under 23 bracket because he's, he's only 22. So um, we'll speak a little bit about him. But I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you there. You know, it's been a good mixture of, you know, some of the, the big hitters doing well, but also a few surprise packages, which ultimately is, is kind of what you want in a, in a major tournament like like this, because, you know, it would be a bit boring if the, the best teams were, were simply blowing away the smaller teams and, and it was essentially the knockouts were a foregone conclusion after after game week or, or you know, match day two in, in the group stage. But they're all pretty much still in the balance um, to, to a certain degree, which is you know it's 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 exciting it 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 makes you tune in to to the third and most consequential uh fixture of um of the groups but i mean in terms of standout players um and i mean bonus points if you can if you can come up with some under 23 ones i mean we can start with with mohammed kamara who gave that that excellent um post match interview after his man of the match display um against uh, algeria um you know he's he's very obviously really tearful uh, and and just really overwhelmed by the emotion of it all, and I think that in sort of in an interview, you know, as a microcosm, just shows how much this tournament matters to to those who 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 play in it. I mean, I think I saw a video yesterday of um, loads of Sierra Leone fans, you know, just running along the road in Freetown, which is obviously, as you'll know, the capital city, and that was after securing a draw, uh, you know, <laughs> to keep them in the in the fight against against Cote d'Ivoire, and you know, the the, the the tournament means so much, but. In terms of you know twenty threes players, um, there's there's been quite a few um, who've who've done reasonably well as as well as the the, the more senior ones such as your, your Salahs and your Vincent Abubakars. Mm. Yeah, one in particular I wanted to highlight, and I didn't mention Gambia earlier just now, but Gambia have been an amazing story, haven't they? Of, of mm. this tournament, and you know currently sitting top of their group, um, you know they're going to go through to the next round. And uh, Musa Barrow in particular has been yeah, outstanding for them. Somebody who you know, pretty well known in Syria. He's been at Bologna for for a couple of seasons, um, and he scored a late penalty against Mali um, to to get a point, which you know both means both teams are going to go through. And uh, and uh, before the tournament, I thought Mali were, and I still do actually. I think Mali could go could, could go quite deep. So the fact that Gambia managed to to get a draw against them. Is fantastic for them, and generally, I think the team is pretty pretty young. It's you know, there's a bit of experience in there, but the squad has got quite a few players that are 23 and under. So you know, and and it's lots of talent coming out of there. Such a very again a very small country population wise, but certainly not in in talent. Yeah, I mean, you you say that it's quite a young team. Um, obviously, Musa Barrow, 23 years old, playing for for Bologna, has has been sort of on the scouted radar for quite a few years now because he's always he's always just captured the attention whenever he plays. You know, he's very dynamic. Um, does always come up with these sort of end of game moments as well, which is mm. just quite a, quite something. But Ebrima Darbo, who's who's 20, yeah. playing for for Roma this season under Jose Mourinho. Um, Ebrima Colli, who's 21 uh, at Spezia, uh, also in Serie A. 
And I think there is something to be said, you know, about the the relationship between you know Gambian players and 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 seeking a route into European football through uh, through Serie A, because obviously you've got Omar Kali as well, who's been at Sampdoria for a few years. But yeah, I mean, top of their group, drawing with Mali, which you probably would have put Mali as favourites for that one. Um, they've done, they have done really well, and I think in terms of twenty three players being a young squad, um, I think Jallo as well, who who's done all right, he is um, he's twenty three as well, um, so. There's, there's been a few. Yeah, it's a really interesting country because, you know, a lot of these players, I, I don't know how many of them in this squad, actually, but I know that I did, I did something about Musa Jawara, who is yes. uh, Bologna as well. And, you know, the route is not, a, you know, not a conventional one at all by any means because these are these are refugees, some of them, you know, who, who've made their way from, uh, from the Gambia over land. And then some of them, you know, crossing on rubber dinghies across the Mediterranean to, you know, to, to get to Syria, basically. But that's not the case with Musa Barra, who was actually scouted from the Gambian League. And I think that there's quite a good pathway there now, obviously, because the number of players that are in Italy, not just Syria, but just, the, you know, the lower leagues as well. So it's obviously a, a fertile, you know, um, uh, area for them to to develop. And it's it's great. That's that's That just shows you... What what it is needed, you know, just a, an opportunity for one particular country in another country, and it can, you know, it can lead to the, this kind of team. It's trailblazing in the most, you know, the, the realist sense, isn't it? I mean, you know, when when you see the the success stories that have come out of Gambia in Italy, and that's obviously going to attract the attention of of, you know, the movers and shakers who can make decisions and in, in terms of scouting and recruitment departments and and you know make them sit up and think okay well Gambia is somewhere we need to be to be looking at if if there are players with Musa Barrow's potential there um you know we need to be to be exploiting that exactly no it's really just because you know the, the profile of African players it's such a big continent yeah you know and not everybody is the same you know in every country but there is a general pro profile of players from around different parts of the continent and uh I think that a lot of um you know a lot of clubs in Europe are discovering that you know it's not just a the stereotypical, the old, the old, you know, three or four different types of players, but there's, mm. there's so many different types of players and physiques. And, you know, for instance, I mean, Zambia aren't at this tournament, but, you know, you have uh, Enoch Mwepu and Pats and Daka, two, two players that you, I know you guys have followed for a long time, but, you know, that, that's another, yet another, um, you know, potential place that could be recruited from that, you know, just wasn't, wasn't being looked at before, so it's it's great. The, this the, this is how these things happen. It's a very organic process, isn't it? Mm, yeah, I think organic is probably the right word for it. Um, and I mean, there'll be other countries which which that's been the case for. I mean, just purely looking at young squads, I think Guinea have have got another young team. Um, the likes of Mohamed Bayo, who's twenty three, playing for for Clermont Foot uh, in France, who's, who's doing really well this season. He's almost tipping double figures in goals and had a great year last year in Ligue 1 and in the the French lower leagues before that. Um, you know, Agibu Kamara, who's who's playing for Olympiakos in Greece, he's also playing for Guinea at this tournament. Um, one name I was really surprised to see on the list, um, and then also surprised not to see uh, featuring in, in the opening game was Elias Moriba, obviously formerly of. Of Barcelona, but but now at, at RB Leipzig, um, he's he's only eighteen, so one of the younger players at this tournament. But it was it was actually another teenager um, of of Guinea's that that I, I, I'm quite conflicted on on Saidu Sal because he's nineteen and, and I give him a lot of allowances um, because you know obviously of his age and, and experience. He's playing for for Saint-Étienne in France, as you'll know. And, you know, he's a goal threat at the set pieces um, purely because of his stature. Um, you know, he's a very aggressive, defensive, uh, right-sided centre-half, you know, big tackle volume, big pressing volume. 
um you know his pressing success is exceptional uh sort of had a look on fb ref and that was it was you know across 900 minutes it was something like he was in the the, the top one or two percent of defenders across europe's top five leagues and uh then i, I watched guinea's game uh their opening fixture and, and you know it was it was very much the the same um at the same time, I do think he moves quite ungainly at times, um, but you know does look to play forward rather than than carrying it the ball. So maybe that's kind of a, a, an area that he or coaches have recognised. Maybe it isn't his strength and try to to mitigate that. But I mean, he's he, he's a player who at nineteen is playing in a major tournament for his country uh, alongside those other Guinean players that I mentioned. Um, you know, another young young squad, uh, and obviously you've got. Them and Senegal currently look as though they're probably going to go through from from Group B. So we might see a little bit more of them further on in the tournament. Yeah, and there certainly is a developing side. You know, it has been for a few years. I remember seeing them at the last AFCON and it didn't really get going in that one. But I think that result against Senegal would do them a lot of good confidence-wise. And, you know, um, it is a young team. It's one, one that is going to, going to get better. It's, they've got a very... It's a very young population in Guinea. I mean, like most of Africa, um, you know, has very a very young population. But Guinea in particular, I believe, is, you know, and, and hopefully they can they can do something because it's been quite a long time since they've had any sort of run at Afcon. It's been, you know, the glory years for them were, were quite a few years ago now. So, and obviously Nabi Kaita in there leading the way with the, he's a bit more experience now, twenty six. Um, hopefully, he can, you know take these this new generation forward to, to some some great achievements obviously you, you mentioned Nabi Keita there and I completely forgot that he was also Guinean so there goes my research in the bin but um you know he's uh it's it's been it's been a great tournament for for, for young players as, as I mentioned um but sort of what I like to do with these these episodes is, is maybe throw out a name which people haven't heard before um and while you know the Saidu South will be familiar to anyone who follows Liga. There was there's there's a, there's a player for Tunisia who I'm not sure if if you'll have seen this game last night, but um, you know there was the I think was it was it four nil or four one? I saw the highlights of it. Yeah, it was it was four nil. Four nil goals actually. Yeah, really goals. Really, some great slick interplay. I know Mauritania one of the weakest teams probably at the tournament, but still it was it was a very very slick bit of interplay and uh, you know. The sub I know Tunisia lost their opening game to Mali, but and the sub-Saharan, uh, sorry, the the North African teams playing in sub-Sahara have struggled. But that was very encouraging for Tunisia, and you know, scoring that many goals gives them a great opportunity to get through as well, um, goal difference wise. So. Yeah, especially after losing that first game, um, you know, you'd want to bounce back immediately, and obviously they have done by by taking Mauritania to the to the cleaners. But there was a player in there, um, Anis Ben Sliman, um, who is a Danish-born. Uh, Tunisian midfielder uh, plays for Bronby uh, in the, the Danish Superliga, uh, and he picked up the assist uh, for Wabi Kazri the, for the second goal for Tunisia last night. Um, and he was a, I mean, he's a player that I'm quite curious to know more about, to watch a little bit more of because he's he's typically the most deep line and, and central midfielder, you know, received from the central, uh, received from the centre back type player. Um, but he he does like to move through the gears, you know, he can. I wouldn't quite say chunky, but he's robust and, you know, he can he can ride a challenge. Um, I, again, wouldn't quite say press resistant because he does forfeit possession a fair bit, but but does beat pressure well when he's sort of careering through challenges or if he's he's caught up in traffic. Um, you know, he'll, he'll try and bounce or just ricochet that, that ball through. Um, 
And I think he's he's a very adept player. I was really pleased to, to see him obviously starting that game against Mauritania. Um, I think he came off around 70 minutes, but you know he's he's someone who's always going to try something. And at 20 years old, it's it's good to see that you know somebody who who has has come through at a club like 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 Bromby. You know he's, he's played Danish football, uh, European football um, with with them this season. That uh, that hasn't been coached out of him. I, I quite quite like the fact that he's. He he recognizes his his physical strengths and and thinks well actually you know what I'm going to put that to my advantage. Yeah, well, I mean Danish you know Danish uh, system is very very good you know mm. they produce some really good footballers and it's got an interesting mixture of of skills isn't it? Uh, yeah, somebody like that. Um, and and there's a Tunisia have got quite a few young good young players I think it could be an interesting generation for them couldn't it with uh, yeah. Hannibal Medjbri who's at yes. United. Um, and is, has done pretty well when he's when he's been given the chance. And there's a few others as well around. The, uh... Omar Rekic as well at Arsenal. Yeah. He's, um, he I think he came on last night, uh, sort of for the last ten minutes or so when um, when the game was pretty much tied up. But um, yeah, good to, good that he's been he's been called up and shows a bit of I don't know I don't, what would you call it? You know the the fact that obviously Hannibal has not played any sort of minutes for for my United, but. Is being called up to the Tunisian senior squad, and you know, similar story for for Omar Rekic. Yeah, I mean, it's good. I mean, it's good for them. Yeah, uh, but, <laughs> yeah. but it probably shows that you know the, the standards not that that high. But I think it's it can only. I think it can only be good if a player is good enough to play at that level and to get them, you know, immersed in the in the the team culture. The younger, the better, really. If you, you know, if if they are good enough, and and there's reports that he, you know, Hannibal's going to get. Promoted to United's first team now, having having performed well up here, so that's that's what it can do to, for you international football. If you if you prove you can handle that, then you know it's uh, it was the highest level out there. I, you know, it's, probably still is. I think even though a lot of people say that the Champions League is and you know the, the technical standard is, but you know it, it's a different prize, isn't it? When you're playing international football, you, you know you have people who raise their game very much because. It means everything to them, doesn't it? So yeah, because it's that—that's the the pinnacle of their careers. You know, for a lot of these players at Afcon, there, there will not be a greater honour throughout their entire playing career than representing their country, perhaps for the first and only time, at a tournament like this. So, you naturally you will get players who are right on top of their game. And I, I think as well, having having watched a lot of youth football, you know, you can't simulate the the, the physical. Um, challenge of playing senior football whether that's at a major international tournament like this one or just you know coming off the bench for 10 minutes in a, in a league game in in your country's top flight you know you can't simulate that um so again being you know being with the with the squad training every day um you know coming on in games starting games just that that valuable experience will be a signal it'll be a marker to clubs like manchester united and and you know coaches at, at whichever teams uh, these young players are at who maybe don't have a wealth of first team experience that actually, yeah, they can, they can handle themselves. You know, they're, they're up to the challenge. Um, and obviously they'll be getting, they'll be getting feedback on, on the performances from, um, from the various scouts and, and, and analysts who are, uh, who are out there checking up on them. But um, I did want to talk about the two of the two of, not the two, but two of the youngest players at the tournament, um, two 17 year olds. Uh, and I'm not sure how much you'll know on them, Ed. Um, I definitely don't know an awful lot. Um, but uh, there's one for Ghana, one for Cote d'Ivoire. Um, oh, Ab- yes. Abdul Fatou Isahaku, who 
I apologize. I must have butchered th- that name somewhere, um, but I've got it sort of spelt out phonetically on my crib sheet here. <laughs> uh, he is, he's 17, plays for Dreams FC in Ghana, um, obviously representing Ghana at this tournament, came on in their uh, in their first game uh, of, yeah. of, of the competition. Yeah, I do know a little bit about him, actually, only only via my um, my colleague from our, the Made in Africa podcast. Yes, of course. Uh, we spoke about him a little bit on that on the preview, actually. Um, Rahman Osman, my, my colleague who works for London World, and he's very excited about him anyway, I can tell you. <laughs> you know, um, he, he, yeah, like you say, he I think he uh, he started out with uh, his local club at 15 and, you know, was was a bit of a phenomenon and remains a phenomenon. Um, and, yeah, he's got the call up and obviously is, is really part of their plans going forward. And, you know, whether it's a bit early for him, I don't know. But, um, yeah, he's been given a chance in this tournament and it's fantastic to see. You know, Ghana have got a great reputation for producing young players and perhaps it hasn't happened the last few years. And it's not the strongest uh, team that they've got in Cameroon at the moment, but you know, this is really this is really exciting. Local people, apparently, the fact that there's a young local league player who's establishing himself, you know, as as one of the main players in the in the national team, you know, amongst all these so-called superstars, because you know, Ghana players have, have uh, not performed very well over the last few years, and you know, despite having some of the most well-known names, you know, still in in Europe, you know, most to, you know, top five leagues. There's, there's quite a few players there still, but they just haven't really done very well. So, I think this has been uh, quite his his arrival has given people something to look forward to. Would uh, you would you or, or did you put Ghana sort of in your pre-tournament favourites, or maybe in sort of the peloton, the chasing pack of of you know no, I, behind I bit, the Algerias? Well, to be honest, I didn't. I don't think I said this on the pod, my other the other podcast I'll preview, but I was a little bit negative about them. I I didn't expect them to do that well. Um, and yeah, I, I, Rahman was a bit more positive. He expected them to get to the semi-finals. So, oh wow, okay, yeah. But you know, they they have a, they have a great pedigree at this tournament, but but obviously haven't gone all the way for quite a long time. They, you know, they, they're normally in the latter stages. But um, yeah, I don't think it's a great generation. It's uh, yeah. Hopefully, there's better things to come because you know the, this generation of players has been around for uh, for quite a long time now and not really done that much so i think some fresh blood might be uh, might be needed well here's hoping that the 17 year old striker from 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 dreams fc can provide that that little bit of uh, impetus but um there's there was another another player who's who's 17 at the tournament i think there's I think there's two or three um, for those who are who are interested but uh, the other one which which got my attention was Karim Konate uh, for Cote d'Ivoire um, and he is also playing um, at uh, at this tournament, I don't think he has made an appearance yet, um, but he's definitely in the squad. He plays for Asik Mimosas uh, in 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 the Ivory Coast. Um, you know, by by all accounts, one of the strongest, if not the strongest and most identifiable team in in that country. But it, is there anything that that you know of of Kanate Ed? No, not really, to be honest. But uh, yeah, as you say, Asik Mimosas is one of the most uh, you know famous development clubs in in Ivory Coast, and and again, it's a generation. Which is flattered to deceive, isn't it? You know, they, mm. you look through their squad list, and it's, it's a fantastic list of players, isn't it? It's, you know, but not really achieved that much. And uh, yeah, it's it's good to see another another youngster there. And it, uh, there's not really anybody anywhere near his age. You know, the next oldest player I can see is like twenty twenty one, mm. with Hamid Traore at Sassuolo. Um, 
so it's quite a big age gap but it, it also you know so it's so young to be at a major tournament isn't it it's uh, yeah definitely great for the experience 2004 born i'm I'm never gonna get tired of saying that and thinking jesus i'm old because <laughs> it's just i'll know, get used to it oh yeah honestly yeah to think that Karim Kanati was not alive for Ronaldinho's chip on David Seaman at, at the World <laughs> Cup in in Korea and Japan. Jesus, um, but yeah, no, he 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 played some um, some games for, for for Ivory Coast in the um, in the warm up fixtures in the warm up friendlies. Uh, just came off the bench against Mozambique and Malawi, but has remained on the bench uh, so far for for them. But um, I, I did watch a little bit of his a few of his goals. Um, uh, that I could, uh, and he seems to be quite alert, sort of alert with that. You know, if if the goalkeeper spills it, or maybe if there's a, a ball coming into the box, you know that that striker's movement. So, hopefully, um, hopefully we get to see some of that at some point in this tournament. And based on how the group is looking at the moment, with um, with Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast in that group, they are top. Um, and provided that they don't, well, I think I think it's probably safe to say that depending on the result of the Equatorial Guinea Sierra Leone game, they probably should go through. But don't quote me on that. I think that they're through already. I think if you've got four points, you're through. But yeah, again, don't quote me on that. Yeah, it's well, I'm, I'm looking at it. As... They're not through. They're assured of finishing the top three. Yes, that's yeah, 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 yeah. We don't know for certain as yet, but I think four points is basically going to be enough, isn't it? I yeah, four it's... points should be enough because obviously the the three, uh, four of the six third place teams qualify for the, for the knockout rounds as well. So if you've got four points and you're finishing third, the likelihood is you're you're probably going to be one of those stronger teams, but. Yeah, um, that should be uh, should be an interesting one. Um, Ed, I wanted to get your your stance on sort of maybe a few predictions for the knockout stages because things can turn on a sixpence as as we found. You know, with Algeria coming into this tournament, they were my favourites. Now they find themselves bottom in their group. Um, they're they're you know they're they're really up against it in terms of having to to, to qualify. You know, a defeat will knock them out. Um, a win might not even be enough to to guarantee um, automatic qualification. So. Um, it's yeah. I, I've definitely had to revise my uh, my predictions from pre-tournament to sort of two games in, and yeah, I, I think Algeria. I'm not looking too clever with that prediction now in terms of who'd be the eventual winner. Um, no, I think I, I thought that they might struggle, but only on the basis of you know that that North African teams don't do well in sub-Saharan Africa. It was really only based on on that. Well, know. there's the expertise though. That, well, that I, is well, the expertise. I buy into that sort of. I think that's quite an important factor, isn't it? Normally, you know, yeah. history doesn't doesn't lie. Northern and, and Southern Hemisphere teams, you know, playing yeah. each other in World Cups in in different. Exactly, it's a similar thing, isn't it? You know, like a it, European teams never used to win in South America and mm-hmm. vice versa, and it still pretty much holds holds true. Um, it's such a such a difficult thing. Egypt are the only teams who have won in sub-Saharan Africa, and obviously, you know, they've won seven times. So um, they are. The, it's not to rule out those teams, though, because you know anything can happen. But I think, yeah, it's more likely that it's going to be someone from sub-Saharan Africa that that wins it. With with, and I think, yeah, like you say, Cameroon and Nigeria. Obviously, they look the strongest. But it rarely happens that the team that looks the strongest in the group stage wins the tournament, does it? So mm. it's more about a steady build, normally, isn't it? So I still, I still like to think Mali are going to go quite far, but. It really depends where they where they finish in their group. It's very important because they may be thinking it might not be best to to win the group because it sets up a, if they do win that group, then they're going to set up a, a match with second place in Group E, which could be really anybody, couldn't it? From Ivory Coast, Equatorial Guinea, Sierra Leone, or, or Algeria, 
But I, I think Mali, yeah, given given a fair win, they they are going to be really tough to beat. They don't concede many goals, um, and you know uh, they've got some great players. And interestingly, you know, from a youth point of view, they don't have such a young squad now, which I think is probably quite a good thing because it just shows that you know they they're evolving that generation that, that have done them so well in the youth tournaments um, over the last few years, and they've matured into a senior team now. So. I think they could definitely be be a side to watch. Yeah, they they have, haven't they? I mean, they did so well at previous youth international tournaments. Um, we did uh, a podcast with with Ben Botchak on on uh, the the Jean Marc Guillou uh, Academy in in um, in Mali a couple. Well, I say a couple of months ago. It's probably about a year ago now. Uh, but if you're, you're interested in listening more about Mali exclusively, uh, then do go back through the, the Scouted Football archives, and there will be an episode on that. Um, and Ben on that episode does sort of foretell that that Mali should do well at future tournaments because this this squad is essentially coming of age now you know Yves Besuma, Diadi Samaseku, um, you know Musa Gianepo, um I was really pleased to see Masadio Hadara there as well um, playing left back. I, yeah I know big big favourites I know we're both a big fan of his and yeah it's just a great it's a great team they're, they're a really interesting side and like you say yeah it's been building up to this I think for a few years and now I think they're ready to contests in the later stages yeah they definitely uh, and and in terms of young players and and if if people are keen to, to keep an eye on Mali in in the knockout stages which obviously it looks as though they'll they'll reach um two players that that I'd, I'd pick out is, is Ibrahim Akone who's 22 plays for Sarpsborg in Norway um who I think he hit double figures in in the, the elite Syrian there this season and Mohamed Kamara uh, who's also 22 probably a little bit more familiar with uh, given that he plays for Red Bull Salzburg um obviously done very well in the, in the Champions League this season but yeah Mali Mali are definitely a team to to follow you, you mentioned Basuma I think that's the key one as well because mm. he hasn't played for them for a while they've you know he's been concentrating on his club career but they've got him and he's obviously everybody knows what what great player he is from the Premier League um, and yeah, yeah, with somebody of that ability harnessed with all those other players, yeah, it's, it's a really exciting time for them actually. Um, and yeah, that could be a real crackerjack game if they do end up winning the the group and then playing, you know, either well whoever it is really in that that group of death it's become now, Algeria and, and Ivory Coast etc. Then that could be a really great game. Yeah, you, just looking at that table, you would not want to play anyone at the moment because you've got obviously the surprise victory for Equatorial Guinea, Sierra Leone putting up a real fight uh, in both their group games against the big boys. And then you've obviously got the might of, of Ivory Coast and Algeria. You wouldn't want to come up against them even on a bad day. So, yeah, they've kind of been dealt a, 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 a bum hand there, haven't Mali, um, depending on how they how they finish that group. But um, I, I think I, I'd agree with you, to be honest, in terms of not look, not being able to look past Cameroon and Nigeria. Uh, obviously, they've done well in the groups. You could maybe argue that Cameroon's group is, is weaker than um than than some of the other teams who maybe haven't hit the heights uh, that they they have already but Nigeria have been able to see off uh, Egypt and and then and then you know quite I'd say I wouldn't say comfortably but you know it it, it wasn't really a, a they weren't put to the test against against Sudan uh, in their second group game but you know the likes of Joe Rebo, the likes of Samu Chukwesi, um, and then quite a few others who have maybe in that same Mali age bracket, you know, coming of age, your Ian Achos, your Taiwo Awanese, um, you know, Moses mm. Simon, you know, these these are yeah. all players who are who who, are, who have been playing well this tournament. So Moses Simon in particular, actually, yeah. I mentioned him. He's been fantastic. He's been really, really good. And 
yeah, Nigeria have had a bit of a chaotic uh, build-up, and um, you know they've got a manager uh, who's been appointed for to take over after this tournament to lead them into the World Cup, you know, playoffs. Um, yeah, they've looked the, probably well, aside from Cameroon, the most impressive team so far. And uh, yeah, they you know they <laughs> they've got so much talent. They always have so much talent. You know, that's that's the problem with Nigeria is whether they can harness into into a team that's you know, pulling for each other, but they really have this time. And uh, yeah, Simon has been the outstanding player uh, alongside Ian Acho, I think. And uh, but there's, I think there's plenty more to come from Nigeria over the next few years as well. It's a really exciting time for them. It seems to be clicking now, but it's just whether at the top they have, you know, can be managed in the right way. And uh, but they, they're really playing for this uh, for Egwabon, who is the interim manager um, and has won Afcon himself or as a player. So. Um, that could be a great story. See, there you go. That's the expertise that you get on the Scouted Football podcast. You know, the the the, the behind the scenes nuggets of of knowledge. But um, yeah, that's that's all from us on 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 the Scouted Pod today. Um, I'd, I'd advise you know throughout this tournament, throughout the knockout stages, um, to to go and check out Ed's podcast, um, Made in Africa, um, because. Um, you know that it's it, it's a very good listen. It's it's informative and it just keeps you up to date with everything that's going on. Obviously, this has been a little bit more player focused, um, as well as maybe a few predictions towards the end. But if you've uh, if you've liked this, then you'll you'll definitely like Made in Africa. Really, thanks for that. Appreciate it. <laughs> no, no, hundred percent. I mean, it's it, it is it is the like the go to go to source for me. So. Um, I'd yeah I'd, I'd recommend it to, to anybody else. But have you have you got anything else that you wanna that you wanna plug Ed before before we go? No, not not especially. I just want to yeah, people, hope people are enjoying Afcon because it's it's a great um, mm. exhibition for you know for these players. I know most a lot of English fans see it as a bit of an annoyance beforehand, and you know, but now everybody's you know used to all the players not being there, where they can just enjoy seeing some different uh, different teams and you know learning a little bit about some some uh, different. Uh, different countries as well so it's, it's a great tournament to, to get excited about especially in the, the middle of uh, english winter yeah absolutely it's great for any geography nerds like myself as well <laughs> or anyone who likes to hear obscure national anthems because you know yeah, you get you right. get a bit of that you get a bit of everything and also one of the best things is also the the nicknames aren't they i think yes yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there's some great ones out there the comoros one has been getting a bit of uh, traction which I can't, I can't remember what it is now but it's named after a shark fish isn't it Oh, fantastic. No, yeah. I, I literally had no idea about that. I, I'm still, in my head, I'm caught up with the Indomitable Lions. Uh, yeah. That's Cameroon, isn't it? That's right, yeah. yeah. I'm trying to find what it is. Uh, what it is. So obviously, Nigeria, the Super Eagles. Super Eagles. Um, and there's some great ones. Uh, what is it? It's the it's the Coelacanths. Koala, yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like the prehistoric yeah. fish. Yeah, prehistoric fish. It looks, they're always smiling. That's absolutely so, fantastic. Yeah. Where they Where they've come up with that, is you know they've they've plucked that from well, think, from nowhere. I, I think it must be local a local fish and it's yeah you know, cover us yeah. But fantastic, you know you get, that's what you got to be named off. I mean your local <laughs> animal, whatever that might be. I don't know what it'd be for uh, for for England, but the sparrows or something. <laughs> <laughs> Far less inspiring, isn't it? Yeah, the robins maybe. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, this has been uh, the Scouted Football Podcast with myself, Joe Donoghue, uh, joined by Ed Aarons uh, on AFCON 2021. Um, yeah, I'd implore anybody to, to continue watching the tournament if they have already. Um, not that you'd need any persuading, given how some of the games have gone, but if you haven't tuned into it, to it yet, wherever you are in the world, then I'd fully, fully recommend it. But yeah, stay safe, take care. Bye for now.
For player profiles, in-depth features, and exclusive interviews, visit sfhandbook.com to learn more about the best young football players in the world.